Welcome to another inspirational message from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. If you have your words, you can open them up to Ecclesiastes, uh, the first chapter. As I said, we're going to continue with my favorite Bible characters, what I've learned from them, in part 14, King Solomon. Uh, and the reason we're reading out of the book of Ecclesiastes is because King Solomon, uh, you know, he's, he is credited with not only the Proverbs, of course, but also Ecclesiastes and Song of Solomon. And so uh, uh, I, I have learned some interesting things from him. But let's read out of Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 9, 10 and 11. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. It says, that which has been is what will be. That which is done is what will be done, and there is nothing new under the sun. Now, here with the wisdom that God gave to Solomon and the wisdom that he allowed him to glean from the experiences of life and sitting around and, and looking at things, basically God gave him great discernment. God didn't just drop wisdom on him as though it were you know a, a bucket of wisdom poured out on him god gave him a gift a gift that was greater than any other human individual that ever had lived and ever would would live okay now he's not wiser than jesus okay but god gave solomon a very amazing gift and it was the gift to discern and to understand wisdom, to understand how things worked, to look at it. You know, many of you have a similar gift, not to the extent that Solomon had it, because God said no one else would ever have that gift to that extent. And so there's no way as wise as we might be, as discerning as we might be, as intuitive as we might be, that we could intuit all that Solomon could see, whether it was in a, an ant, or whether it was in weather, or whether it was in a person's attitude, or whether it was in the way that a, that a young man courted a young lady. You know, all of these things he looked at and he gleaned wisdom. He just understood it. He just understood it, and it was amazing. And one of the things he understood from all that he saw and surveyed is that there was nothing new under the sun. That which has been, uh, you know, it, it's, it's what will be. Life is just repeated over and over and over and over the things that we go through are things that other people went through and there's nothing new this happened to us I mean it, we we uh, you know we may be experiencing it for our first time but someone else has experienced it in the world in verse 10 is there anything of which it may be said see this is new it has already been in ancient times before us there is no remembrance of former things. Now, we don't know that someone else tripped up on the same thing we tripped up on. You know, I mean, we're not cognizant. We don't get to build on someone else's wisdom. You know, my dad was philosophical. My dad was wise. I consider him to be a very, very wise man. Uh, and, and, but yet, when I was born, I was born, you know, without his wisdom. I didn't get to all of a sudden know everything he knew you know I mean all the former things uh, you know we we don't get to embrace things uh, uh, just because someone else experienced them does not mean that we can fully experience them uh, nor will there be any remembrance of things that are to come by those who will come after you know it's a very interesting thing that the that 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 Solomon saw well Solomon has been a great teacher in my life 
And it's at this point that I tell you that some leaders teach us what to do and some leaders teach us what not to do. And both of these are valuable lessons. Uh, and some people can teach us how to be and how not to be. Some people can, you know, are, are both of those teachers, you know. Sometimes we look at someone and, and they're pretty good except in one area of life. In that one area of life, we don't want to be like them, you know. And, and, and Solomon was like that. Solomon teaches me both what I should do and also what I shouldn't do. You know, uh, King Solomon, of course, you know, many of you know, most of you know that he was King David's son by David's wife's wife, Bathsheba. Now, David uh, had a certain fight in life that God called David to do something very specific. And God called his son Solomon to do something just as important, just as powerful, and just as necessary. But we often don't readily discern how much of a difference it was in their calling. King David's fight versus King Solomon's fight. You see, King David uh, was, was called, uh, both men were called to expand the kingdom. But King David was called to, to, uh, to enlarge his kingdom, uh, to broaden the kingdom physically, to have wars with other kings, and to take land, and to take the city, which is now Jerusalem, and, 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 and to go out and fight the Philistines, and, 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 and other. And King David, he broadened the kingdom of God physically. That was his calling, and he succeeded. King Solomon had a different calling. You see, King Solomon didn't go to war. David did all of that. But King Solomon was also called for a fight. King David was called to broaden the kingdom physically. King Solomon was called to deepen the kingdom spiritually. One, I mean, these things go hand in hand. God hopes that each person in each generation can add something to the equation. King David, he fought a physical fight. He fought wars physically with, with, with his enemies. King Solomon was called to take the kingdom deeper. I mean, King David left King Solomon wealthy. David worked hard. He fought hard for everything he got, for every inch of ground that he got, for every bit of gold that he got. He fought and he put an army together out of nothing and he, and he put a kingdom together and he brought the 12 tribes together. He united the 12 tribes and, 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 and he led them to victory after victory after victory. What a marvelous you know, picture of that. And then here comes along his son and God baptizes his son with a gift of wisdom and discernment because God wants Solomon now. He won't face wars and he's not. He, he's going to face treaties and, and people are going to see how wealthy he is. David has left him enough money and enough stuff and enough relationships with other kings uh, that, 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 that he, he can build the temple and he can build the city and he can build, I mean, he can build, whoo, he can do almost anything he wants to and everybody wants to be his friend. King Solomon was not called to go out and, and expand the kingdom physically. He was called to deepen the kingdom, expand the kingdom spiritually. The enemies of God fought hard against King David, but King David succeeded. Well, the enemies of God also fought hard against King Solomon, and King Solomon failed. In my opinion, 
King Solomon is the Elmer Fudd of the Bible. He was given everything, safety, peace, relationships, resources, everything he needed to deepen the spiritual relationship that Israel had with God. He was given the time and the opportunity and the grace and the goodness to, 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 to bring Almighty God, Jehovah, worship into the kingdom in a deep way. And he was revered. He could have been one of the greatest evangelists for Jehovah in history. He made relationships with, 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 you know, the, you know, with, with kings and queens. But instead, he miserably failed. I like to imagine this, that King Solomon was granted wisdom, but he did not have good sense. <laughs> you can find that in Second Chronicles, the first chapter, that God granted him wisdom. But you watch the rest of his life, and the man did not have very good sense. One of the indicators that he did not have good sense is he married 700 wives. He married 700 times. 700 wives. And he also owned 300 concubines. Those are women with whom you can have sex, but you aren't married to, so they have no inheritance. And their children are not, uh, you know, uh, have a right to the royal uh, inheritance, but, uh, you know, you can, uh, you, you can have sex with them, and, and it's all legal because they're, they're your concubines. You own them. The man had a problem. He had wisdom, but he didn't have good sense. Why? Because those who went before him said, listen, you know, don't do that. Okay. How, did he, how did he acquire all these women? Was he really good looking? Well, he was really wise, probably strategic. But he, he, he acquired the, all, all these women through treaties because many times other countries would, 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 you know, he would marry the daughter of a king, you know, and, and, and so that they would have treaties together. He also was given women uh, for gifts, many of his concubine and such. In that day, you know, I mean, if, if somebody liked you, they'd give you a woman. Okay. Okay, guys are laughing. The women are looking around to see if you're smiling. And also, this man, Solomon, now they were by treaties, gifts, and just too much love. You shake my brains and, you know, you, know, you, you shake my nerves and you rattle my brains. Too much loving drives a man insane, you know. Well... They broke his will, but what a thrill. <laughs> Goodness gracious, his kingdom was on fire. He surrendered to the wishes of his wives, and his wives wanted him to go against his calling. His calling was to deepen the spiritual relationship that Israel had with God. And instead, he deepened the spiritual relationship that Israel had with pagan gods. 1 Kings 11, verse 1. But King Solomon loved many foreign women. <laughs> okay, too much love? Y'all got that? As well as the daughter of Pharaoh. 
He loved the women of the Moabites. He loved the Ammonites. He loved the Edomites. He loved the Sidonians. He loved the Hittites. He loved these women. He loved women. He loved all women. He loved foreign women. He loved, oh, he, he was just a man that loved, okay, like I said, he had a whole lot of wisdom, but he didn't have much sense. He loved women from the nations of whom the Lord said to the children of Israel, you shall not intermarry with them, nor they with you. Surely they will turn away your hearts after other gods. Solomon clung to these in love. Okay. Now, God is love, but love is not God. The moment that you make love your God, it's not okay to love everything and it's not okay to love everyone. Not in the way that Solomon loved. Verse 3, and he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. For it was so when Elmer Fudd was old that his wives turned his heart after other gods. Can you imagine that? The son of David, blessed by God, given this kingdom, given a responsibility, called by God to deepen the spiritual relationship, given peace throughout the lands, given prominence, given every resource necessary to accomplish his call, and yet miserably failed because his heart was turned away after other gods, and his heart was not loyal to the Lord his God as was the heart of his father David. The word continues, if you were to read 5, 6, and 7, that, you know, he went after Ashtaroth, and he went after, you know, uh, uh, Molech, Milcom. He, uh, you know, uh, he did evil, verse 6 would tell us, in the sight of the Lord, in that he did not fully follow God, and also that, that he built high places, and he built, he took money that God, that David had raised and that God had given him these relationships and resources and he went and he built altars even on the Mount of Olives built an altar to pagan gods so that the children of Israel could take their, their, their children as, as Ezekiel tells us could take their children over to the Mount of Olives and, and, and uh, sacrifice their children to the god Molech of the Ammonites. He, he built altars to false gods all over the place. What this did, let me, let me tell you what, Solomon was raised in a house where he was not confused. He knew who God was. There was one God, it was Jehovah. It's the God, you know, that, uh, that helped me kill the bear, that helped me kill the lion. It's the God that helped me kill Goliath. It's the God that, that, that you know, restored to me the kingdom. It's the God, I mean, it's the God that helped me take the city of Jebus. David served one God. There was one Ark of the Covenant. And David, you know, I mean, uh, but, you know, Solomon was raised, he was not confused who God was. But Solomon's children were very confused. Solomon's children were raised 
you know. In fact, Solomon married a woman named Nama. She was an Ammonite. The Ammonites served the god Milcom or Molech. Both of those are the same God. It's the God of fire and the God of war. And in order to serve this God, what you did was you took your child in some way and you sacrificed your child to the God Molech. He was not only the God of fire, he was also the God of war. And so that you could send your young child into war hoping that young child would die in war as a way that your family would be blessed by the God of Molech. Or you could take your child straight to the altar and burn him. This was one of Solomon's wives, that Solomon built an altar and built a temple on the Mount of Olives right across from where the temple of Solomon sat with the Ark of the Covenant. These two, uh, just, just as the crow flies, are not more than, 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 than 250 yards apart across the Kidron Valley, just down, down a little hill and back up another one right there from the city of David and the Mount of Olives. When you see the, the Dome of the Rock, you're looking from the Mount of Olives over to the Dome of the Rock. The city of David was right to the left, and there the Temple of Solomon, just, 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 just on, on each hill. And Solomon's wife, Nama, would take her children. You know, Solomon would take, take, his, take the kids with him, or they would see him going to Jehovah to worship, you know, the temple in the morning, you know, and the evenings. You know, this is what Ezekiel said, uh, chapter 23. They, they, they would take them over 37 or 23, one or the other. Uh, Ezekiel 23, verses 37, 38, 39, 40, I believe. And, and in the evenings, they would just go over there. She would, you know, go with her mama over to worship Molech. What a crazy situation. So Solomon's kids were confused. This is one of the places that Solomon missed it. He was raised in a home that served one God. His children were raised in a home that served, you know, his God and, and Mama's God. Verse 8 of 1 Kings 11 tells us that, And Solomon did likewise for all his foreign wives who burned incense and sacrificed to their gods. They're in their homes. They had a, they had a place where Jehovah was worshipped and a place where Molech or, you know, or, 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 or Chemosh or, or, or Asherah or, or, you know, whoever was worshipped as well. That's confusing to a family. Such was the case with Solomon's son named Rehoboam. Rehoboam is the one who became the, the, the king after Solomon. He inherited the crown after Solomon, and he had no relationship with God whatsoever. Any, all gods were the same to him, and he lost the kingdom. It divided, and there's never been a united kingdom again with, his, with, with the 12 tribes. Amazing, huh? Well... I could tell you about Solomon all night long, but let me just cut to the chase. And let me tell you three things, three of the many things that I have learned from the life of King Solomon. Uh, one thing I've learned from Solomon's life is that people don't often value or respect what they haven't fought to gain. You know, Solomon didn't have to fight in the war to gain all the resources and all of the prominence and all of the relationships that he had. 
So he didn't learn to value that. Many times a first generation uh, a, 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 a fighter that has to fight for something appreciates it. We see it in our nation right now. The people who have been riding in our streets have no idea what World War II was like. Mr. Perry can tell you sitting right here, Battle of the Bulge, you know, five landings on D-Day sitting right here. He can tell you what it costs for that flag to fly. He can tell you what it costs for us to, to, to be able to have freedom in, in, you know, in, in, in this nation. Okay? Uh, but, but uh, you know, the younger generations who did not fight to get what we have, the resources, the relationships, all the things that we have, the younger generation, listen, uh, many times they do not respect and they do not value what they did not fight to gain. I learned this from Solomon, both in his life and in Rehoboam's life. They did not value what David valued. David had to fight for every inch of that ground. He had to fight to bring the kingdom together and the tribes together. And those that came after him did not seem to value it the way he valued it. You know, we should be willing to fight. We may not have the fight that David fought, but Solomon had a different fight, but Solomon didn't fight his fight at all. And therefore, Rehoboam valued nothing physically or spiritually. Uh, it's, it's often come to my attention that when it costs someone nothing, it's often worth nothing to them. And when they lose it, it, it looks like they don't even care. A second thing I have learned from Solomon's life is that the road you are on will take you straight to the same place it took the last traveler. Like he said, there's nothing new. You want to know where you're going to end up? Well, tell me about your life. I'll tell you where you're headed. I know where, I know where you're going. It's where you're headed. I know where you're going to end up. It's, it's, it's determined by the road you're on. There's nothing else you can do. You get out there on I-10 and you go east, I'm sorry, but you're going to Louisiana. If you don't want to go to Louisiana, you need to stay off that road because that's where that road goes. It's not rocket science. It took the last traveler right straight to Louisiana. It'll take the next one and the next one and the next one. And, uh, you know, if the Lord allows, uh, you know, uh, 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 you know uh, 100 years from now, that road will take you to the very same place it took the traveler 100 years earlier. Solomon, in all of his wisdom, showed us that there's nothing new. We can easily tell where we're going in life by what's going on in our life. And if we don't want to go where the road is leading, we need to get off the road. Nothing new under the sun. Yesterday's bus will bring you right back to the same place you are today. That's just the wisdom of Solomon. I mean, you know, we should be that wise, but unfortunately, former things, you know, old people can tell us, look, you shouldn't do that. <laughs> they know because they have seen a lot of people walk down that same road and end up without a job. Okay. You shouldn't show up 30 minutes late. Okay. You shouldn't be found sitting down under a tree on break 10 minutes after break is over. You know what that'll get you? Fired. In 2020, it'll get you fired. In 2050, it'll get you fired. In the year three, it would get you fired. In the year 3000 BC, it would get you fired. Okay. There's nothing new under the sun. The road you're on is going to take you the very same place it took the last traveler. Okay. Isn't that good news? I can choose the road. All I got to do is see where the, where the guy went that I want to follow. His name is Jesus. I can get on that road. I deny myself taking my cross and follow him. I get where he got. And it may lead through a cross or two, but hey, what can we say? You know, I got eternity. I can do these. I can do this 120 years on my head. Right. 
Mr. Perry lived in the back of a pickup for how many years? Up on the mountain in, in four years. How many in your family? Seven. Seven. Mom, dad, five kids lived in the back of a pickup on a mountain for, for, for four years. Wasn't that tough, was it? Nah. Wasn't that tough? Well, yeah, I understand. Jesus doesn't want to go to the cross again either, but you know. <laughs> but hey, yeah. Just, just realize there's a road, and it's not rocket science where it's going. Uh, and the last thing that, I, that I'll leave with you tonight that I've learned from Solomon is that nothing changes until something changes. I know that has been popularized in, 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 in recent years, but that's the reality. Nothing changes until something changes, and that that something might need to be you. Nothing changes until something changes. Nothing going to change in your life probably until you do. Uh, that's what I found in Solomon's life. Uh, sad to say that when Solomon got old, he didn't change. His heart was drawn away from the Lord, and he was disloyal to the God who gave him that chance. Wow. Thanks again for joining us for another encouraging word from Pastor Ron Hammonds. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.